This weekend, we have an incredible treat. Our student ministries pastor, Mason, uh, is speaking this weekend. And I, I want you to know, I take very seriously the pulpit that God has asked me to steward. And here's why Mason is speaking this weekend. Mason just transitioned into this new role. And I believe God handpicked him to steward a move that God wants to see our teenagers experience and call normal. God is moving and he is going to move mightily among our students. And this is God's man to lead that move. So I want you to welcome to the stage, our beloved Pastor Mason. Hey, thank you guys. Well, I'm excited to be here. I hope you guys are having a good week, enjoying some spring break time. If you have some kids or a teacher, but I'd love to hop right into it. So if you got your Bible, would you turn to Matthew 25? Matthew 25, we're starting in verse one. I'll give you a second to get there. I'm excited about what God has been doing in these past services. I can't wait to see what happens here. All right, Matthew 25, we're starting in verse one. It goes like this. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five who were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by a shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids, they got up and they prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because their lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, the other five bridesmaids returned. They stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. All right, let's dive in. But before we do that, let's just pray for a second. God, would you just be here? Would you speak? Would you do what simply only you can do? So God, thank you that we get to be in moments like this where you impress something on our heart that we can leave a little bit different than how we came in. Holy Spirit, just speak. We're excited for what you're going to do today. Just, we pray, amen. amen. Well, as I was preparing throughout, you know, just a couple of weeks now, I kind of kept coming across this word that kept just popping up. It's the word sustainability. And it's weird because if you kind of look up sustainability, the first like 10 pages of Google are all just like about recycling, like how to live a sustainable life, you know, like recycle, don't use plastic, metal straws, wear one pair of socks, like all the fun stuff. I made up that one pair of socks. That's <laughs> completely not true. But I'm not talking about, you know, recycling. This whole message isn't like 30 minutes for recycling. Do your part, but it's a little bit different. It's, I just had this moment the other day. Have you ever like thought you were going to be really good at something and it, it just didn't maybe go the way you planned? Me and my friends, we were at this gym and after there was this cold plunge there. It was a, like, I, I've never done a cold plunge before, but when I saw it, I'm like, I just for some reason was like, I would, I'm probably going to be really good at this. I'm, I'm not like, it's a weird thing. I, I have this problem with over, like overly confident and not all of life, but just a few key things. And when I saw this, it was just like one of those things where it's like, I don't know why people complain so much about this. Like if they go three minutes, I could probably go 15. Like 
If there's a world record, I will definitely beat it. So my friend hops in first, starts breathing. I take my few steps in and I like stop, you know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is a little bit colder than I thought. So it's weird because, I mean, especially we have all these men, like men here from um, fight clubs and these amazing guys, you know, you have Manny and Pastor Brad and Wes who like, they do all these hard things. It's like saunas, cold plunges, and I've seen social media, I've seen people do it, and I just always thought like, you're gonna crush it. And now I'm in this moment, I'm like, this does not feel like what I thought it was gonna feel like. It was like a little bit like, it felt like knives were like sticking into my ankles and feet. And I'm like, this is painful. And I'm telling my friend like, hey, I don't know if I'm gonna hop in. He's like, no, it's just mental, like breathe through it. And I'm like, it's not mental, it's physical pain. Like I, I'm actually in pain right now. Like, don't, don't tell me that. So I hop out and I'm like, okay, don't be a baby. If your friend's doing it, you know, that whole comparison thing, you could probably do it too. So I just fully go in, submerge myself, and I just sit. I'm doing all the, like, breathing as hard as I can, like I'm about to give birth. And it goes, like, <laughs> 30 seconds, and I'm like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> and I run out. See, it was not at all as long as that I thought I was going to be able to go. It's this weird thing in life that usually when we start something, we think it's going to last a while, or at least you hope it does. Like if you start a new job, you don't hope that, you know, hopefully in one week I might get fired and now I have to go start another job. If you move, I would imagine you hope to live in that place you moved in for a while. You know, you don't move and then hopefully in a month or two, you have to repack everything up and go to a different house. I think, you know, moving, packing, unpacking is a little bit what hell will feel like. It's the worst thing in the world. It is, I hate it. You don't start a relationship. You don't start a marriage, hoping one day it's going to end in separation. And this is kind of where I want to start today. You don't start this relationship with Jesus, this walk, as other people would say, with Jesus, hoping that one day you'd end up walking away. The weird thing is, in our current culture, I've seen it happen time and time again from heroes that I've looked up to for many years to just close personal friends. And the thing about it is that these are people that you would probably describe as, man, they're on fire for God. You know that thing we say about people? They're world changers. They're going to, like, upset this city. They're going to shake up this town. They're, they're taking over schools. You're seeing a, just a giant move, and God's showing up in crazy big ways, and God's using them, and these same people, my same friends that were doing these incredible things just a few years later find themselves in this moment where the God that they once believed in more than anything is nothing more than just a few good morals to live by and some kind ways of treating people. See, it's this idea of sustainability. The de definition of it is the ability to sustain. I love this picture that Paul gives us that running the race with endurance to go the long mile. It's not just a run, you know, it's not a sprint, but you keep going. Isaiah 61 he says, in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. And what a picture. I love this because even as a kid, trees were just something I was always fascinated with, mostly because I liked climbing them. But I grew up in Houston, Texas, and we had a ton of trees everywhere. And something we also had a lot of was hurricanes. 
See, I don't know if you've ever been through a hurricane or not, but it's like a whole nother game. Like new rules apply. Like we have monsoons here and it gets pretty serious. And yeah, roofs, like it, it's heavy, but hurricanes, it's this weird moment where you have to kind of like, you have a week to maybe two weeks to kind of decide what you're going to do, depending on what category it might be, depending on where it will probably land, a lot of guessing. But if sometimes it's going to be a little bit more serious, you end up having to evacuate the city. In those moments, you have to like board up your house. You have to have this weird decision of like, what do we take? If our house is destroyed, what would we want to have with us? All this kind of stuff. And I remember we evacuate, you'd be in hours of traffic and then you'd wait a week or so and let the storm pass. And on the way back, it was this amazing, terrifying moment of just seeing the true power of nature when it's just unleashed. Just buildings are broken everywhere, glass on the street, cars are moved around, floods are all over the place, complete roofs are ripped off, houses have fallen over, trees have just not even broken in half, but a lot of them are just derooted because the wind was so strong, it just completely fell over, roots popped out and all. But I remember there was a neighborhood right by mine and I had to go ride my bike around there and they had these amazing oak trees and you'd see that definitely a storm has passed and that it was definitely affected, but it didn't move. It was sturdy. And a few months go by, it almost was like it was never, a storm never passed or never came to begin with. I love this picture of whatever the season or storm you might be in, that you keep standing, that you keep growing. Maybe you've ever felt like there's been moments in this theoretical tree where the water is so high, you're kind of having to struggle to catch a breath. Maybe there's been moments where it feels like all your leaves are off and you feel exposed and naked and everybody is kind of seeing what's going on and you can't hide that you're struggling. Moments of pruning, moments where someone went in and broke a branch you didn't ask for it, you didn't want it, you didn't say, hey, this is something I'm looking for, but they came in and something broke and now there's a permanent mark from what was there. But the truth is that tree, it keeps growing. I love this picture. See, today, if you're taking notes, the title for, to, for today is called The Slow Burn. I love this picture because it kind of describes this idea. It doesn't matter what the size is, but from when it starts, it finishes, it continues to go bigger, brighter, more powerful. I love that idea of how do we keep this walk with Jesus, not where it's just hanging on, not where we're just showing up, but by the time whenever it comes, we take our last breath, we're brighter than ever. It's this weird moment where wherever you are, you could feel like your face is glowing because you just came off of the mountain with God and you had this huge encounter. So maybe you're just hanging on. Some of my friends are even right now where I've been in the past where it feels like a flicker and the slightest wind could kind of knock you off. Or maybe it's just ash and you've lost all the flame that once was there. See, it's this idea of sometimes we get in these rhythms of I would say spiritual coasting. I don't know if you've ever driven a stick shift car before. 
but it feels like we have this huge encounter with God. God moved, he showed up, and that's something nobody can take away. But you begin to coast off of that. God, you're so good, you're so lovely. You keep coasting. And it's not wrong, I'm not saying that's bad, but kind of the burden what I have is the feeling that, hey, we just walked out of last week with Preston saying, do you want to see a move of God? What I'm feeling is that sometimes it's not about coasting anymore. It's about maybe we're about to kick it into another gear. Maybe the first, the second, the third, the fourth, and we're about to see things start to happen that we've never seen before. But the truth is, if you've ever driven a car, you begin to run out of fuel the faster you go. So how do we keep going? How does a slow burn happen? We'll have two rhythms for you today. It's two rhythms of sustainability. I pulled this out of the chapter we read right in the beginning, Matthew 25. So if you're taking notes, the first, first rhythm is the rhythm of activity. This comes right out of Matthew 25, starting in verse 5. It says, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. I love this picture that Jesus was describing this parable that they were, I would imagine, had to be excited. I mean, so wedding was about to happen. A marriage feast was about to take place. Pure excitement. But when it didn't happen, when they were expecting, when a delay came, they became drowsy and waiting and eventually ended up falling asleep. So you think a lot of times, a silent killer in this walk with God and this relationship we have can be expectation. And it's good. Don't hear me out before I kind of start this, that it's great to expect God to move and to do things in your life. But what I want you to be aware of is sometimes when God doesn't show up the way we're expecting, what begins to happen is a little bit of a slowdown. God, when I, I kind of thought like I was going to be married by now. I thought I was, you know, you'd bring this person because you know I've been waiting for a little bit. You know I've been like praying about this for a while. God, I, you know I'm in a financial little, you know, like it's, it's tight right now. Like I, I, I've been giving, I've been doing everything, I've been serving. Like when are you going to show up? I just thought it would be sooner than now. God, I have this thing and I really need you to show up and you didn't show up and what do you want me to do? See, without us knowing it sometimes, unconsciously, when we see God not show up when we are expecting, it's not that we stop. It's not that we are like, oh, whatever, God, I'm done. But a small little mark happens. Maybe this once huge God that we loved with so much passion, trusted full-heartedly, now is maybe trust 90%ly. <laughs> And if you're not careful, time after time again, when you put God into a box of, hey, this needs to happen at this time and then, and God might not show up in that moment, and that's a hard tension to walk by. I've walked with friends to my own family of moments where it feels like, God, where were you in this moment? How could this much pain happen? How could you let this thing that never should have happened happen? But do you still expect him to show up? A lot of the times it's a, not as much, though. So I'm, now I'm a little bit hurt. Now I, I, I don't really want to expect as much. My hope is a little bit 
soft. In other words, drowsy. So how do you stay active? What is this rhythm? I love this idea. I mean, it's, it's not like a rhythm of activity, like, okay, like, move around, do jumping jacks now. See, I think Second uh, Peter, if you want to read with me, read with me. Second Peter, it's chapter one, we're going to be starting in verse three. He gives a great description of how do you stay active? How do you stay awake? Says this, and starting in three, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by the means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us, uh, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that, that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in these ways are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those that God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Now, I remember the first time I heard this as a kid to even sometimes I go back and read it as an adult. My first thought usually is like, that's a lot. (laughs) I mean, I had a hard time just breathing while reading all of that much more than just living it out. I want to be careful as I kind of present this next thing because I've been a part of it. I understand where it's come from. So be open to this. I I love that where we've been in kind of this new revival of spiritual culture where where we've stepped into this moment and it's beautiful of, I'm not religious. I'm free. God has saved me. His love is so great, so big. Yes and amen. I'm not religious. It's this relationship. Absolutely. But what I feel like sometimes is that we use this idea of I'm not religious to kind of make an excuse to naturally do what we need to do to stay awake. Hey, I'm not religious, so I don't really need to read my Bible that much, you know? <laughs> I, I, I'm not religious, so like, what is this really prayer and practices, silence and solitude? Like, I'm around enough, right? See, the truth is, it's not necessarily a right now thing. Because something comes up, which is just called life, and we all experience it when we weren't planning for it, when we weren't, you know, like, oh, I can't wait for a brand new challenge to come in. Something comes and it's hard and usually the first things that are to go are the things that actually help us stay awake. See, there's moments when, okay, I, I, I you know, I, I, I read my Bible yesterday. Do I really need to read it today? Something happens and it kind of turns into well, I listen to some worship music. They have some Bible verses in it. Like, I, I'm, I'm probably good on reading. Hey, well, you know, I, I went to church, and they read a lot of scripture. They sing. 
It's pretty good. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty fueled up right now. Hey, well, I wasn't able to be there. I had some stuff come up. I watched it online, so it's, it's pretty good. Slowly but surely, without you even being aware of it sometimes, we begin to just pull away. See, it's this idea. It's, I'm not religious. It's a relationship. Let me present it as if I did this with my wife. Hey, we've been married for almost two years now. I've been thinking. You know, we're not really in like a religious relationship. Absolutely, we love each other because we choose to love each other. But it feels like it's kind of been just a little, you know, like, I have to do this. So I was thinking, how about I kind of switch it up? I, uh, how about we maybe meet once a week? Our date nights that we normally have, I mean, sometimes I'll try to make it happen, sometimes I won't. Our moments in the morning when we're connecting with each other, I, I, I might just be a little bit busy that day and have to get to work a little bit early. Moments <laughs> when it's like, hey, I, I probably won't talk to you for a little bit, but if, if I need something, I'll, I'll just call in real quick, ask if you can help me out, and I'll, I'll talk with you later. See, if I did this, my relationship would probably not go very well. <laughs> my wife would not be happy, and the truth is that God has so much grace. Whether if you choose to never talk with him, pray with him again, his love is still so overflowing for you. But this is a moment what you're doing is you're responding, saying, hey, no, I'm going to fuel up even when I don't feel like it. It's this idea of it's not religious, it's a relationship, and this relationship turns into a devotion. Whether I feel like it or not, whether I want to or not, I'm still going to choose to do this because I'm devoted to this person. I'm devoted to this because I know I need it, whether I, I really understand it, whether I just read this whole chapter and it didn't feel like nothing spoke to me, I'm still just going to dive in because I know, God, I'm devoted to you. Stay active. Don't fall asleep. The second rhythm First one is the rhythm activity. Second one is the rhythm of readiness. This comes right out of the following chapters in uh, Matthew 25, or following verses, I should say. Starting in verse six it, six, it says, At midnight they were roused by a shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids, they got up and they prepared their lamps. Now, I, I've heard this parable for years People have talked about it, but I, 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 not until a few months ago, something stuck out to me. There's a key word, uh, word that Jesus threw in here, said, at midnight. Because the truth is, whether if they had extra oil or not, whether if they even had lamps, if that bridegroom would have called at daytime. They wouldn't have needed any light to go where he was calling them. But I think Jesus is giving us this picture of what faith looks like at times when he begins to call you and say, hey, I have something that might feel a little bit uncomfortable. What does that feel like? Sometimes it feels like darkness. In incitement, we run out chasing, God, I'm ready for you. Where are you going to go? You, yeah, it sounded like you're over here, so I'm going to go over there. And in pure darkness, <laughs> You maybe stumbled upon a rock and you fell down, but it's okay because you're still excited. God still called you. 
keep moving. Oh, you, you kind of slipped. You fell in some mud. But it's okay, you're still going. But only with just a few more falls, you finally just hit a moment where you're kind of tired and want to give up. You're tired of running in the dark, of not knowing where you're going. You see, but I love that second verse in uh, verse 7 where it says, Once God called them, the bridegroom was calling them. What did they do? They prepared their lamps. See, the difference between the wise and the foolish was that five of them, they brought extra oil. And what does it say just a few verses later that, hey, go to a store and purchase your own? What's kind of being described here with some context is that the five wise ones have already purchased the extra oil. So what does this look like for us in this kingdom that we get to live in? Kingdom currency is simply just called sacrifice. That if you want to purchase something in this kingdom, the only means of money that that requires is sacrifice. And that looks different for a lot of people. It could be time, could be talent, could be resources. But the truth is, when you begin to sacrifice, you're purchasing something, not for that moment, but for when you feel like there's a moment and it's pitch black and you don't know where to go, but you have something stored up. You know, I love what David wrote, Psalms 119, that your word is a lamp to my life, to my feet, and a light into my path, that you're purchasing something. Not for when it's all bright, when it's all shiny, you see exactly where you're going, you're purchasing for it. Whenever life comes, whenever you're being stretched, whenever God is calling you to do something that feels like I've been there, I've done it, I, it or it doesn't make sense, I don't want to do it, but he's saying, no, I'm calling you, and you sense that. See, I love what Jeremiah says. It's Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 7. It says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made their Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of droughts. So they leave, their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. As I was preparing, I felt like God kind of gave me this picture, kind of paired with this oak tree and this flames that we've been talking about, but it's a picture that a lot of us are actually planted in water. But instead of it being a river, it was a pond. And it feels like we're good. It feels like we have everything we need. We can even handle some moments of drought where it doesn't feel like it rains. We can give some water to some extra trees that might need it. But little by little, before we know it, it feels like we completely ran out. So where did this water go? There might have been a leak that you weren't even aware of. It was absorbing into something else. See, I grew up going to my great aunt's house in Kilgore, Texas as a little boy. It's the best thing a little boy could ever do. I mean, you could fish and tube, jet ski, 
run around in this beautiful, huge lake. It was awesome. But I remember one year, I drove up with my grandma, and we were about, they were about in a six to nine month drought. And this once huge lake that was so vast and so big was just nothing more than just mud, maybe a few little pockets of once what used to be. So what did they end up having to do was actually get some excavators and kind of start digging in to some natural rivers to help reroute the water back to this lake. And I think some of us today, that's what God is asking us to do. That are we connected to this river of life, the water of life, as Jesus describes? That through whatever season may come, our roots are planted deep. That our fruit will never stop producing. That this quote-unquote flame will always keep on shining. See what I love about this idea of the lamp? Lamps, it can pretty much only show you around five to maybe 15 feet of what's around you. It's not a lot. You don't really get to see a lot what's ahead of you. You just kind of see immediately what's in front of you. But the fun thing about it is that from around two miles away, you can actually see the light. Even though the person holding the light can only kind of see immediately around them, if it's pitch black and someone's wandering in this forest and they just see something, what is that, a light? It draws them to it. It's this idea of wherever you're at, moments if you feel like you're completely full and you're on fire, so you don't have anything. If people are being drawn to you right now, that's incredible. You can help kind of guide them until the light comes again. But even more so, you can help ignite their own lamp. You can actually have enough stored up where you're able to give some extra oil and then help connect them to the source. 